in this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by independent creative uh, Jairus Cook. Uh, this was a cool episode, man. Uh, Jairus and I um, talked about, started the episode talking about just um, how important it is for some independent creatives to cause when you get ideas, sometimes those ideas, you don't remember those ideas. Uh, the ability to at least lay down the skeleton version of an idea and go back to work on it later is always a great uh, option to have. You know, he talks about being uh, having a dream one night and hearing a song on the radio and thought that it was a, a real song. And then when he realized that he when he woke up and realized that it was a dream, he was like, oh, man, I couldn't even um, be able to you know, uh, we talk about the fact that Jairus comes from a long family of vocalists, and really a lot of that starts with uh, his time in the church, which ultimately led to him being in an R&B group with some childhood friends, and that group, over time, had disbanded, which, because one of the guys just really wanted to kind of take it in a whole other level in gospel music, but that really wasn't something that Jairus wanted to do influences in, uh, that he had from Shy to Jodeci to Voice to Me. He just loves the way in the 90s that the music and the harmonies of the voices of the, the take it to a whole other level, which really had no other era of music like that. Uh, Jairus and I talk about, you know, a lot of, of being able to um, how it's important to be able to have a niche and take advantage of building real genuine supporters. You know, I would talk about uh, why the group disbanded and ultimately him taking a ten-year hiatus from music, and then you know within that hiatus, going back to school and having children, getting married, and ultimately that leading to a rebirth and becoming of him learning how to now pick up the guitar and ultimately learned how to craft and produce his own songs, which then led him to um, playing in open mics and farmer's markets and things of that nature to then um, being able to now put out his own great music in the era that he enjoys to do it. And we end the episode talking about him building a global fan base and how the internet has impacted the people around the world and how he's been able to touch people that he never thought he could touch as well as um, his single date night which I absolutely love and then we also talk about his
guys, welcome to another episode of the Thursday Five Podcast, and this is episode number thirty-six. And we've got my man Jarish Cook with us today as my guest, who once again is another one of uh, my friends over at B Squared sent me, and, and I'm glad. I, I really I've enjoyed all of them so far, and I'm, I'm again I'm so glad to have the opportunity to have these people on my podcast and to like to share their story. Okay, and share stuff that's squared. important to them. Shout out to B Square, Jeff. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm 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 blessed. I'm grateful. Uh, I got my health. Uh, I'm doing yeah. what I love. I'm good, man. I'm talking to you. I love I'm it. Straight. Yeah, I love the background. You know, like I love the I love your background that we're seeing right now. You know, because my podcast yeah. we just do audio, so people aren't going to be able to see the background. But I just love the guitars up here. And, yeah, uh, man, that's, that's cool, man. Is that your in-house studio? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is my little spot. So this is where I do uh, a lot of my I do a lot of pre production stuff here. So, you know, I'll do, I'll lay down some ideas, sometimes the scratch vocals. And then uh, if it's re- if I'm really feeling it, then I'll, I'll do as much as I can here and then send it out. Cool. No, I think that's yeah. smart. I think that's a smart way to do it. Because sometimes with with a lot of art and creatives, like when you have an idea, you need to get that idea down because you yeah. might forget it. You know, people don't realize that, that sometimes when you have an idea, you want to be able to especially if you're into production. Some artists don't produce, so they, they can't do it. Yeah. But yep. at least if you're able to put that idea on this, so at least you don't forget it, it's skeleton. Right. You can at least go right. back and work on it later on. You didn't forget it, so you could be like, you know. Because if you try to remember it later, you might, it, might not, it might not still feel the same. You might not be right. inspired, you know. And I, I always, I like to say that melodies are fleeting because they are. Like, they yeah. just, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had dreams where, like, I've heard, like, whole entire songs, you know, and not realizing I'm dreaming. I'm like, oh man, this song is dope, you know, because I'm dreaming that I'm hearing it on the radio. And then at some point I, you know, I realize I'm dreaming. I'm like, wait a minute, this is all me. Like, you know, wake up, run down the stairs and try to record it. Sometimes I capture it, sometimes I don't. By the time I come come down the, the stairs, it's just like it's gone. But no, no, so no. I definitely get you. <laughs> cool, man. So um yeah, man. So where are you originally where are you originally from? So I, I'm originally from the South. Uh, I'm a Southern boy. Um, okay. I uh, I was born in North Carolina, raised in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, ATL. And, uh, I'll be I'll be ATL. there. I should be going there. I should be going there this week, actually. Uh, yeah. Uh, for a show, my artist Xavier Key. Shout out to him. He's performing at an event. So Atlanta's ah. like I, I live in Orlando, so I'm not too far from. Okay. Um, yeah, Atlanta's like my oh. second home. Atlanta's like my second home, you know. But I don't want to live there. Yeah. <laughs> too, too spread out, you know. Because I was born with a disability, so it's kind of it's really Atlanta is one of those places where it's really spread out. Like a lot of people yeah. in Georgia, they don't live in the city. You know, a lot of people live right. outside. The, yeah, you know. yeah, they, yeah. The the suburbs are the suburbs are hopping in, in ATL. Plus, you know, even if you get into the city, like the traffic is. Oh yeah, crazy oh, around yeah. two eighty five. Is, it's insane. It's bananas. Exactly. Cool. So Atlanta. Okay. You spent a lot of time in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in Atlanta and then, uh, and then, um, uh, I moved up to Jersey way, way back when, um, my mother, she got relocated. So I didn't really have a choice in the matter cause I was a minor at the time. Gotcha. And, uh, okay. yeah, so I, I've been up here ever since. And, um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm originally, just really, I'm originally, what was that? I'm originally from New York, but I mean, I'm sorry, I'm a native New York, but I don't really claim it. Cause I mean, I'm from, I've, I've been in Orlando 28 years. This is my home. So, like, I don't really oh, know, okay, okay. know New York. My, my, my dad, most of my family's still in New York. My dad's there, my two sisters. I have a twin Where, where in New York? Where in New York? Brooklyn. 
Brooklyn. Okay, Brooklyn. Yeah, 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 Brooklyn. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, my yeah. sister was my twin. So I have two sisters. One is my twin, okay. and the other one is my sister on my dad's side. But so she grew up with me here in Orlando. But she recently she moved back to New York about ten years ago. Uh, okay. So she's in the industry as well, but she's more in the. She's a filmmaker. She's a comedian. So she, you know, a lot of people. She's not really. Okay. So she's not really in the recording space. You know, it's because it's just a different world. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Definitely a different. It's not the same thing. You know, so she's really not on this side. But, uh, but yeah. So uh, she moved, she moved back up there. She loves it up in New York. She loves she yeah. loves it up there. I I can't do the snow. I can't do the cold. Obviously, you know. Again, with my <laughs> I can't do the cold weather. It's just really not for me. Yeah. Um, no. Nah, yeah. You gotta be. You gotta be built for that. So yeah, so in Orlando, you know, it's warm 10 months out the year, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, in Christmas Day, I mean, you you can go to the beach out here, you know. It's, it's, really? It's, See, that's it's, crazy it's, to me that you could get, because I've never lived in any place where you could go to the beach in November, December, or January. Oh, like, oh I'll tell you right now. So even right now, let's look at the weather. So we're, we're basically in November, and right now, uh-huh. it gets cooler at night, but right now, the weather's supposed to be and I'm in Central Florida, so I'm in this middle part of the state. So if you go up towards Jacksonville, kind of like going up uh-huh. to Alabama or Georgia, it gets colder. But here in Central Florida, like right now, it's, it's the highest 83. See, that's insane. And the lowest tomorrow will be 85, and then Wednesday. So now it gets, it's going to get cooler at night. Like Wednesday is supposed to be 61. So it's getting cooler at nighttime. But really, 61 here is really I- not. That's like Jack. That, that 61, 61 degrees is like our hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Jersey, yeah. like that's now granted today, like it's a little bit, it's a little bit cooler. Uh it's a little bit warmer today. It's like 73, but our low is like 59. So it's like yeah, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's you know, yeah. it's yeah, I would say there. I would say, man, we don't really get we don't really get seasons out here. So if you want to see the fall the leaves change and yeah. all that type of deal, you know, we see that's dope. Yeah, yeah, we don't really get that out here. So, but yeah. again, you, you but you know that when you live here, like it's not one of those things like you know you already know when you come to Orlando. When, when you, you come, right? Like, or you were living in Central Florida, you know, uh, which is like Orlando, Tampa, you know, that area, you know, Clearwater, right. like Central Florida, like you already kind of know that. Like, yeah, we and we deal with we deal with hurricanes out here. We deal with hurricanes. Oh, yo, know? man, yeah, we hurricanes <laughs> and um. And I don't know if it's because I just see it on the internet a lot, but I see a lot of alligators just randomly, like, yeah, out. Just, yeah. I mean, is it like that? I mean, I don't personally. It, it can be depending on where you're at. Definitely, man. Yeah. That's <laughs> just crazy to me. Like, I like yeah. I saw something on the internet where like there was an alligator on some lady's porch, just chilling, just hanging out, yeah. and I'm like, what? It, it it happens sometimes. I think too. Also, like Orlando is a very transient. Kind of like Jersey too, very transient. Uh, city. most people that live here aren't from here. You know, right, they're right. transplanted from someplace else. You know, because you know, so I don't really consider Orlando per se the South. Like, yeah, we're in. Are we in the South technically? Yes, but the South to me is like Gainesville, Tallahassee, right. Jacksonville. People who got roots there, right? People who are rooted there, who born yeah. and raised. And most people, again, you will very rarely find somebody born and raised in Orlando. It, of course, they're they're obviously here, but. Yeah. It's not as common as if you're like, you know, people who are born and raised in New York or born and raised in right. know, certain places, you know, where, you know, so, yeah, man. Yeah, cool. Cool. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. 
Nice. Awesome, man. Um, so, man, you come from a long line of, long generation of musicians and vocalists, man. So, yes. so you know, talk to me about that. Like, you know, what, like, talk to me about coming like that and kind of when you were introduced to music. I see here the age of five. Yeah. You, know, uh, you started singing in the choir. So, talk to me first about coming from a, a, a musical family. Yeah. So, I am, um, so my, um, my grandfather, well, first of all, I was, when I, um, when I, during my years in North Carolina, I was raised up in the church. So, um, you know, being in a church, you know, going, going to church, you know, in the South, black folks, you know, it's just like, first of all, church is church in the South. And it's just like, you know, the songs go on forever. You know, there's verses that weren't in the original one. And, um, you know, and my grandfather used to get up and sing. My uncle, he played guitar. Um, I've also got um, family members who uh, who would sing in church on my father's side of the family. Yeah. So, and I grew up, I grew up listening to all of this and watching and all this. And I, I always tell people, like, I feel like I'm the culmination of all of that activity from the South, you know, because, you know, when you, when you go to church in the South, like I said, especially if it's a black church, like, first of all, you're going to be there for like four or five hours, yeah. you know, like, you know, Sunday service starts at like eight <laughs> o'clock and it don't end till like 12. And then after that, you're going to eat, yeah. you're going to have some fried chicken and some green beans and some macaroni and cheese. And you, you're going to do know, all of that. And you know, what's interesting, like, you know, cause now, you know, I grew up in a church, but I mean, I wouldn't say I go much these days. I have you know, and not to, same, too, not to go, not to go too political. I just don't like church culture anymore. I don't think, yeah. I don't think it serves this generation the way it should. It's not, it's not how it used to be. It's not the right. same culture. Because, um, right. Because I think people, young people now, I mean, I don't have children, but young people now, mm-hmm. the truth is they don't want anything to do with church. Right. They don't want not, to, they don't want to get, because it, it, it's just, the problem with our people, and this is my podcast, and we're going to go here. I don't care. Like, <laughs> we can talk about this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Me. So when it comes to church, man, um, I think it's so misguided. I think we, we put too much pressure. You know, we have, first of all, the church has nothing, knows nothing about mental health. Right. Okay, you, like, I'm not going to my pastor to deal with mental health issues. Right. Most people in church, they don't, oh, just pray about it. No, it's not that simple. <laughs> it always bothers me. There's something really good. Right. It's not the church. There's too much tradition there. Right. Is, tradition is actually hurt to me. Tradition has hurt the church. And young people today, I was literally just watching this thing on YouTube this like last night, and it was why why I don't go. Why people have left the church and they're much happier. They are way. Right. They are much because it's like they're not living under those ritualistic type of rules. That you right. just go on, and it just does it just doesn't make sense anymore. Like it just it, does, it doesn't. doesn't line up with what is really going on in the world today. Especially when you have access to social media and you can see the way that other people live and they're doing fine, you know, not living under the same pretenses that you know you might be living under if you went to church every Sunday or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's that's not a knock on people who who still continue to go to church right. and still have to go. If that's what they want to do, great. But for me, yeah. I just I just do not like I don't I'm not a fan of church culture. I always equate it to like Green the show Greenleaf. <laughs> oh yeah. Movie. Oh man. You yes. Know? yes. Like, that's probably that's, art yeah. imitating life when it comes to black church because yeah. a lot of stuff really goes on. They had to get it from somewhere. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, and just because like, you know, and a lot, you know, and a lot goes on in the church that, you know, that sometimes people don't like to talk about. And, yeah. you know, and it's almost like one of those things where it's like, you know, Monday through Saturday, you're one person. And then on Sunday, you're a completely different person. Exactly. And then you go back to being the same, you know, shoddy person that you were Monday through Saturday. Yeah, so it's Exactly. Like, and I've never believed the whole thing of you can't sing R&B on the club mm-hmm. on Saturday night and go sing God. I've never, I've never liked that because people think right. you just need that scripture because it had nothing to do with that. You know, right. that whole thing, serving two masters, that was more about using the gospel to basically for money, which a lot of people do. A lot of these pastors, right. there's money to be made out here. So they gave it, yeah. so to me, that's what that was about. I, I don't think there's no, I don't think there's anything wrong with singing secular music and nope. then sing sacred music on Sunday. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? And, right. And, uh, it, you know, and the thing is, is like, and what I try, so not to sort of go off topic, but I get, no, no, the, you can take it wherever you want to, bro. Go ahead. I used to sing with, uh, I used to sing with a group, an R&B group, and we sort of like bump modeled ourselves after. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask about that. So it's funny that yeah. you talked about that. Go ahead. <laughs> and, um, and uh, we can get into that, but really fast. So, you know, one of the members that was in the group wanted to wanted to sing like gospel music and i'm just like listen like that's first of all like that's not what our foundation is like we we're an r&b group and i don't necessarily want to do gospel now that's not to say that we can't do we can't ever do gospel songs but you know i want to i think that and my 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 response to him was i think that r&b is a more authentic reflection of of how we live life right because You know, when you, you know, when you're feeling sad about something, you know, you fall in love. You right. know, sometimes people hurt you. Sometimes you cry. Right. And it's sometimes just, you curse, right. you know, and, and sometimes you're in distress. That, right. and I think gospel music, praise and worship, there's a time and place for that. But it's not, right. it's not an accurate depiction where they're like, if you're with your significant other, okay, you're, you know, that's a whole other. If you're with your significant other and you guys are trying to have intimacy, you're not right. playing a praise and worship record. At least I right. hope you're not. Exactly. <laughs> at least I hope you're not. If, right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, at least I hope you're not. You know what I mean? Right. So, so that right there is my argument. You know, right. uh, PJ Morton was one of my favorite artists. He wrote a, you know, he got a, he had got a lot of flack some years back about, and he wrote a book called Why Can't I Sing About Love? Because the whole thing was like, how your dad, Paul S. Morton, one of the biggest churches in Louisiana at the time. And he, mm. PJ knew from early say, I don't want to be, I don't want to sing gospel all the time. Like, I, I'm inspired by this other music that doesn't always have to be about gospel. And people right. get, want to give him so much crap. And it's like, right. no, he's inspired. He doesn't bring the, like, he just recently did out a gospel album for you. And he did, he, he recently, I think last year. Just oh, really? Did, right. Because he never wanted to, because he doesn't consider himself a gospel artist. He's like, I'm not a gospel artist. Like, I write yeah. gospel songs, but I don't, he doesn't consider himself a gospel artist. So he never right. really and, was inspired to just, be like, yeah. Right. And it's just not, you know, a, a reflect because it's not like we live life in a vacuum, like so yeah. many other things affect us. And to just sing gospel or to, you know, like it just it, it wasn't truthful to me. So. Yeah, it is. Right. It, and, it, it, you know, and so, yeah, I totally agree, man. And, and that's why I said the church, the church is suffering because they don't know how to they don't know how to adapt. People don't, you know, they don't want nothing to do with it. You can't see right. because of the Internet now, you can't pull 
control the world of people's lives anymore. You can't just, right. it's not 1965. You can't just say, right. oh, there's information out here now. So these young people, right. they want nothing. Say, if this is what church is about, I want nothing to do with it. Right. Just right. Say, if this is how you guys are treating people and you guys are supposed to be doing God's work, right. I don't want anything yeah. to do with I don't want anything to do with this because this doesn't look like God's work to me. When you're right. shunning yeah. other people and, and not being so in love to them, because that's what, because people don't realize Jesus Christ was a rebel. Right. He did not like church people. He didn't couldn't stand most of what he did was outside the church anyway. Right. Exactly. So many people who call themselves call themselves doing the Lord's work. Right. And it's more cultish. I hate to say it, but it feels more like that than it feels like a place of love. Right. It feels more it, like like we're just doing these things to do it because it's what we've always done. Right. Yeah, and that and that's right, the scary right. thing about traditions, you know, because you because you blindly follow things that you don't necessarily know why you're doing it. You're just sort of <laughs> oh well, it's always been done this way. It's always been done this way for ten years, but but nobody ever actually stops to question why. Like why was it done that way, right, and does right. it still make sense to do it that way? Right. Right, and you also got to also be careful too. So you can't you can't have these conversations with everybody because some people just don't know how. Ah, to, I've learned too. You can't have these conversations with just anybody because they don't know how to think outside the box like that. They don't know how to have that healthy debate. Still, maybe agree to disagree, but be, so I'm very careful because you can't have you really can't, you can't have those type of conversations right. with just anybody because they just don't know how to have because those people who have been the four walls of the church, they don't know how to think outside that box yeah. to have an intelligent conversation with you. So, uh, yeah, so I, I just want to go down that rabbit hole for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm always, I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm just really like, that's a church culture just, is just bothering me. That's why I don't really go anymore like I used to, you know, it just bothers me. And my, yeah. me and my sister, we both feel the same way. Like, that now that we're 35 and we, you know, we can think a little differently, we think differently now and it, it's more like okay, we're we're not just doing this because it's a, we've always done it. It's like okay, does this make sense? Because that's another thing too. Another thing people don't want to really talk about too is Jesus Christ was more black was was definitely more black than he was white. Let's be real. <laughs> right, right. Be real Especially, that. yeah. I mean, if yeah, you if he you wasn't necessarily about... black, but he was definitely not white. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and even if you think about the region where all of that took place, like he had to have had darker skin. Like he had to have been because there was more sun. There was more right. sun and rain, you know, there's more sun than there were clouds right. and trees, you know, so, so why, it's like. Why, right, and I'm like, wow, that, that, that depiction that we see of Jesus, that's somebody's interpretation, right? right. That's not, that's somebody's cousin they painted a picture of. It ain't, that ain't the real, <laughs> you know what that's I mean? Like that, that, that's not the real, you know, because it just could not, it couldn't have been that. Just, ge just geographically, from a geography standpoint, it could not have. He could not have looked like that. Right. And couldn't. It, couldn't. It, it, it yeah. just couldn't. It just right. Just based off what he right. So that's another thing too that always kind of got me. Like, do these, do these white folks really understand? We're not. And we're not. This for white people, by the way. But we're just saying right. they really understand that that's not a true depiction of Jesus Christ, in my opinion. And it's, you know, and the, and the thing is, is, and I think at this point, like, it's kind of snowballed to this thing where this depiction is like just plastered everywhere and people just sort of um, subconsciously accept it as an accurate or true de depiction. And it's, and it's not. And, yeah. 
you know, and, and that's that, that's my other problem with, you know, with religion and everything. It's just, yeah. again, like going back to what you said, it's just, you know, taking things at face value and always doing those things without actually questioning why, especially if it doesn't make sense. Like, exactly. you know, I, so. I, totally, I totally agree. Man. I totally agree. Cool. So you started singing in the choir at age five. Right. Yeah. So, then you some of your musical influences were obviously Michael Jackson, of course, one of the greatest. Yeah. You ask some people, the greatest entertainer. I mean, it's debatable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nineties R and B. Yes. And so music from sixties and seventies, which I could definitely hear in your music. Ah, uh, thank you, thank you. So, who are some of the, who are some of those artists, like, especially from the nineties, that you were really into? Oh, so uh, so I so before I know before we started recording, we you mentioned Mary J. Blige, yeah. Which um, she did a joint with um, with uh, Jodeci back in the day called yeah. uh, uh, "If Loving You Is All I Have." Loving you is all that I have to do. I don't want to do I, that. Was like a ballad, um, yeah. but Jodeci, Shy, um, uh, all all of those uh, R and B groups intro which was another one, um, in vogue, uh, all of those groups from the nineties. I, I absolutely adored them. And, um, probably my favorite group at the time was boys to men. Cause like I said, um, you know, when I got to high school, um, the, the group that I sang in, we sort of modeled ourselves after boys to men, but, uh, and, and maybe a little bit of Jodeci, but yeah, I mean, I heavily influenced by all of those guys because I really loved the way Silk, which is another one. I, I, how did I forget Silk? Um, because, uh, you know, they would take harmonies, they would take their voices, and they were almost like a completely different entity on the track. So yeah. you had the music, but then you also had, you know, all of these interesting harmonies in the back. And then drizzled on top of that, you had, you know, the solos, you know, you had the lead singers, you had these terrific runs and riffs that all of these soul singers used to do. And, you know, and I was completely, completely immersed and swept away by all of it. And, um, you know, and not to mention just like the production, the music, the vibe was just, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just music that you just don't hear anymore. And, you know, and there's a little bit of that influence in, in some of my music as well, because, you know, yeah. that's what I like. And that's, that's what yeah. I'd love to I mean, hear more. And people, people say, right, like the 90s was the last the 90s was the last era where you could really have the same kind of sound. I think you could still say that about the 2000s. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I have my, my one of my mentors is Michelle Vice Mashlin, who is a, as a songwriter, been in the business for 40 years. She's wrote a lot of stuff. She's had over 5,000 placements in the same thing. She has, wow. a, she has like 1,100, 1,200 song catalog, which is and so, you, so she has her catalog book now by era. She has catalog from the 80s, 90s. And you could tell when like it was 2000s pop, it sounds like 2000s pop. That's it sounds pop. like 2000. So I mean, I definitely think the 2000s and the 90s had. I think nowadays this now because we're moving away from kind of that sound. Because I don't think like now this generation now errors have sound. I don't think gonna, I don't think the 2010s have a sound. I don't think they're yeah. You know. No. Yeah, I I think it's yeah. It's just like um, I I don't know how to describe it, but it's almost like. I, I feel like it's more experimental than anything else. Like there's, you know, and because I feel like a lot of artists, they'll come out, do one thing and then they'll try something else, which is great. 
Um, because I, I think that's great for, you know, sort of exploring where you go and, but there, but like you said, there is no, no sound per and se. I, you know why I think that is too? Because also too, we're now we're in the era of the DIY. I think mm-hmm. you have less curation. See, back in those days, you had labels still coming out and curating it. They literally could curate the sound, you know? Right. Well, my, ah, that's well, true. My, I never thought of it that way. previous yeah. interviews with Greg Hoyt that I did, he was a former Eagles guest, but we did a weekly tour, like last week. We talked about there was a time where labels, you knew the sound that they were doing. Like, you knew, right. like, Atlantic Records would have this type of sound, and you could go to these labels and they keep the sound that they were known for. Right. You, know? you don't really have that now. You don't really have, yeah. because, again, you have a lot of DIY, you have, because you have stuff that's really out. You have also you have artists really doing some really off the wall stuff too. So I think yeah. we're, we're kind of in the era now where we don't where we, we don't really have a, a sound for like the two thousand. Uh, yeah, we, we do, but we don't. If that right. makes sense, like we do, but we don't because you can tell the stuff that's happening now. So it's kind of we're kind of in between because we kind of do, but we kind of don't at the same time. Yeah, it, and it and it it goes back to what you said because nowadays. Like you said, because the labels aren't, um, they don't, they don't have as much influence when it comes to curating sound. You have a lot of decentralized sort of niche yeah. uh, 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 markets. So, like, you have a lot of artists. You know, so I mean, you could go anywhere. Like Spotify, SoundCloud, Audio Mac, which is a new one that I just found out about. Mm-hmm. Like, you have all of these different musical platforms where you can listen to all different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. So it's really more scattered than it is consolidated nowadays. So that might be. You know, so that's def- yeah. that definitely contributes to right because you, you, just with Spotify alone, you have sixty thousand songs uploaded every single day. So again, yeah, we're in the era DIY because again, the internet. Like, so like, there's no way. There's just not enough labels to house everybody. That's another thing too. Right. Like, there's just not enough labels, so you're gonna have people who are just doing an independent thing and they kind of doing. So, so you're right. It's just it's less it's less mass curation. You know, right. Now, yes. You still have some curation on playlists because, again, nowadays playlisting is big. So, oh that's, yeah, that's where the curation is. But as far as yes, as where the labels are doing mass curation, as they were in the old industry, because they controlled everything. They controlled yeah. everything. You had to go through a label thirty years ago because right. they had you didn't have access to marketing and distribution. It was too expensive to have right. to mass distribute CDs, and it was too expensive to do. You couldn't do it on your own. Your own, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so now because of you know because of streaming, like we're kind of at, to me we're kind of at the apex of distribution because you go what are you going to do besides streaming? There's nothing easier than the stream. So I'm interested to see what it's going to look like in ten years because the yeah. industry always change. This industry is always changing. Like the minute something, especially with social media, the minute something, the minute you get used to something, something else comes out. Something else pops off. Yes. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Me, like okay, TikTok. Like okay, I'm not the biggest TikTok guy. So like, like I don't spend a lot of my time on TikTok, but TikTok is the thing, you know. And like, there's artists that's being made on TikTok. There's just on there's, TikTok. Yeah. So I mean, and who knows what's gonna be? Who knows what the next thing's gonna be in five years from now? Six, you know, six months from now. You know what I mean? You know, you have Clubhouse that wasn't here a year ago. Well, yeah. Oh, here, man. You know, you know, or was it the big the clubhouse? Thing? I haven't even begun to explore clubhouse. I know it's there. I know it's like yeah. in my, but I I haven't even like, I haven't even looked into so. clubhouse. Is cool because it's more of what they call it. They call it a drop in audio, where it's kind of like a kind of like a conference, kind of like you have a topic, you have curators and moderators, and then you have 
people that can kind of listen in and get on the stage. And so it's really one of those things where like the way you get value out of the way you get value in Clubhouse, you have to, I guess, be there every day, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to contribute to the conversation and have right. your, then you have your social media connected to it. That's how you, that's how you, uh, I guess, get the most value out of Clubhouse. Because the thing with Clubhouse, too, you got to be careful of it. You can be on there all goddamn day. Like when I first came <laughs> to Clubhouse, it's like, look, I can't be on this. And people literally, that they stay on Clubhouse all day. And I'm like, really? Wow. Like, why you guys all in Clubhouse all day? Like, that's the thing. So, because some people use it like a podcast, they just have it playing on in the background or they just buzz in. So, I guess you could do it that way too. But I was like, I don't want to be on this thing all day. But that's because right. it first started because it was, now it's open to everybody, but it was just open to iPhone initially at first. So, it was super. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah. So I knew it. Yeah, yeah. It was a closed community at first. Yeah. yeah super. And so, people, because that's when people really get a lot. To me, that's when they were getting the most value out of it because you had to be on iPhone. So anybody who was on the iPhone, so people were literally having to stick over the iPhone just to even get on Clubhouse. Just to get it. Wow. So now it's open. To, they've opened it to everybody now. So you can be an Android or iOS. But so there was okay. a long time where it was just on iPhones. And that was another thing, too, why people were coming to it. And plus, also, too, we were in a pandemic. Nobody was going anywhere. So going anywhere. People didn't have no, no time to jump on there. But now that things are opening back up, you know. Uh, so, yeah. People are getting back to it. Yeah. Exactly. People are getting back to exactly. it. Yeah. Uh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. Did I, did I answer any of your questions? Because we you did. You did. You did. You did. Cool. So you talked about you talked about the the, the quartet uh, that you had in high school that you modeled yeah, yeah. voice to men, man. But so what ultimately? So you mentioned earlier about the guy wanted to do gospel. What what made the group disband? Like, did you guys have plans on like taking it far? Like, you know, what what year was this? This was okay. So. Um, we formed right after high school. So I'm going to date myself. I graduated in 98. So okay, we started. You were five years before me. So you were, so when I, when I graduated, you were coming in as a freshman. So, so yeah, I don't feel yeah, so, I so. Came in, yeah, I came in the 99, 2000 school. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was. I in 2003. Yeah. And I was, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. 2003. All right. So, yeah. So we're yeah. sort of same generation. Yeah. Um, and, um, so, so we really started singing in high school, um, my junior year. So 97, um, so we sang all junior year, uh, all senior year, 98, and then, uh, 99, 2000, uh, really the early two thousands is when we were really a force and we were really trying to make this happen. And, um, at the time our end goal was, um, to, you know, we, you know, we wanted to attract the attention of a label. We wanted to record some music, you know, at least some demos. Cause that's what you did at the time. Like you got together, you did demos and then you would pitch those demos. And, uh, and at the time we did, uh, we, we met, um, our manager at the time, um, who had some music industry connections and, um, you know, so we worked with her for probably about a couple years just to, we did a lot of grooming. So it was like, you know, we worked on breathing exercises. She took us to a voice coach. Yeah, um, I don't know if artist development, which is something yeah. uh, that that really isn't as it's needed more than ever today. But it's right. something that. But it's not yet. Because it's, it's definitely it's, not. It right. takes a long because it takes a long time. We when is that young people? We're now in the generation of they want to go quick. They don't want to. They don't want to do. They don't want to take the time that it used to take. Because see, there's a time in the music industry where you only cared about the final product. Right. Nowadays, 
is pervert. People want right. to see the grind. They actually want to watch the grind. They want to. S- they relate to the shortcomings. They relate to your struggle. They again, I call it authenticity, right? Right. One right. Thing I talk about in, in fan engagement when I teach artists. I talk about the three pillars of fan engagement: it's authenticity, uh, consistency, and sustainability. People want to connect to the authenticity. They want to know that you because you're a human being first. Right. Or you, right. So people want to people people can connect to that. Right. You don't operate in a vacuum, and there are so many things that affect your your journey. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's family life, whether it's you know maybe you got a part time job, you know maybe you're dealing with some health issues and you're still you know grinding. People want to see all of that. Yeah. And you know, and and I and that's something that I have probably recently learned, like within the past like two to three years, okay. Um, okay. because I am of that generation that. Um, you know, when I was coming up, it was like we did. We grew up without computers. You didn't like, like you didn't show people that you didn't show people, right, right, um, and you didn't share and you didn't share everything either. Like right. my when I grew up, like and especially when it when it first started coming out, and my my boy still has issues with this, where you know people jump on, they live stream, and they just live stream like themselves either cooking or just doing yeah. everyday shit. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, I can't believe that people watch this. Like, people are into it, but like, that's the new thing. It's like reality TV, but like reality, reality TV, not not like the glossed, polished reality TV where you have camera sets and you know you got a camera crew and you got makeup and you, you got interviews. Like, no, nah, this is like grassroots reality TV. You know, where you're watching people just sort of go about their daily lives and, and it's it's mind-blowing that there's such a demand for it like it's it's insane and as an artist like you have to do you have to spend time doing that this you is know? part again this is kind of what you know we talked about off the air like people on blast but you know <laughs> you know but they, they need to hear this this is part of how it's done now people yeah. want this people I've, I've been saying this for this generation of artists now you're content creators Everything yep. is content, right? The content the term, is king. The term recording artist is dead. That is yep. not a that is not a term. I don't even use you to you have never you will never hear me refer to the or recording artist. I don't I don't work with but work with content creators. Right. Content because that's what you do now. It's it's different generation. This generation right. goes, Yeah, like Prince, Patti LaBelle, Whitney Houston, or go Michael Jackson, they were recording artists. They put it record. on a record. Now I say the record doesn't matter doesn't isn't important. But you have to have a content strategy now, right? They right. didn't have to think about content strategies back then. Right. The only content they came out with was the music video. Right. Right. Exactly. The only thing you saw was the only I guess what we consider content back then is the music video. Right. As far as and digital nowadays, content. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays you have to, you know, you have to employ the strategy where, like, if you come out with a song, you have to build content around that song, whether you do you know, TikTok posts, whether you do shorts, whether you do, you know, footage of yourself in the studio, you know, whether you post a blooper reel, whatever it is, yeah. you have to post content around that song in order to ignite engagement. Because people connect to you. Right. Before they connect. Again, it's different now. Yes. People connect yeah. to you before they connect to your music. Right. And that content, they might not even know your music, but they know your content. Right. And before they even hear your music, you know, so that's why these that's why these people who are winning now 
they know how to market. They're not the best artists, to be, trust me. They're not the best artists, but they understand how to market themselves. Right. They understand social media, and that's why they're winning. Right. Artists right. who don't embrace social media, they're not going to win. Right. Like, now, <laughs> like you, you will always be an obscure right. artist because. Right. So the way I look at it is like this: you have to take, you have to. Everything is about. You know, once you figure out who I call it the genesis of super fan building, what I teach, right? First, you got to figure out who you are as an artist, your brand position, right? Which is three elements in the brand position. It's the community that you want to serve, who you are, why should somebody care? Right. Once you know those things, now you know what is it you bring to the table? What sets you different? If there's 60,000 people releasing songs every day, you're not just going to be discovered because you have a great song. It right. doesn't work like that. Right. I love streaming, right? So once you figure that out, then you now know how to buy a fan persona. Like, who are you talking to? Right. What does your core fan look like? Right, right. You have to know these things. What's like, Right. What's the age group? What's the demographic? You know, are you mostly attracting male or female? What do they do? What's their lifestyle? Yeah, psych- and that, like what you, yeah that's psychographic. That's what you're talking yeah. about. And, and yeah. so those are the things that matter. And so once you figure that out, then you can go and start to make content that you, if you want to build a core, right? Because my whole brand message is about having a core audience because as independent artists, independent creatives, the core is what matters. You're not trying to get to the masses. You're not trying to million fans. It's about it's about growing deep, not right. wide. Anymore. Right. You know, yes, you want to, it's about, yeah, cast a wide net, but only focus on that small group of people that love right. you and super serve them. Like right. That's the ment- that's the core of what I try to teach when I because if you can grasp that, one, it's much easier to serve a thousand, two thousand, four thousand, five thousand people in your audience than trying to go get millions and millions of people. You right. don't have the bandwidth to do that as a right. as a as an independent artist to, to do that properly. So right. and, and now you're not trying to appeal to everybody. You can just go find your little nice little piece of the puzzle. You know, right. You and that's it. You find your corner and then and then you just and then you and then you serve them. You you release records based on what they like. Yeah. You know, and then you know, and then maybe there's some some growth around that. Maybe they tell a friend who you know who has yeah. similar interests, but exactly. You're right. Right. And I think if, if artists really understood that element of it. One, it's much easier to navigate when you can do it. You're not, I tell you, you're not going to be Drake. You're not going to be, uh, I'm just sorry, you're not going to do that. Like, it's hard to, it's just hard to, doesn't mean it's impossible, because nothing's impossible, but it's just highly, highly, highly unlikely because you don't have, again, the bandwidth that Drake has. Or right. he has 24 hours a day, he has people in all, Marcus all over the world working his songs that he doesn't even know that are working his songs. Right. He doesn't right. even know the people that are working his songs most of the time. Right. He's yeah. got a he's got a team of people who are working around the clock globally right. who are putting his you know, he's got a bigger microphone. He's got a megaphone that nobody else has. So Right. And if it's so if you're trying to compete with that, it's just gonna be really, really difficult. So right. I feel you on that, man. I feel yeah. you on that. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. so you know, so then you took a you took a hiatus for ten years for music. Yes. So so wow. so tell me about that. Like what well, like what what made you kind of stop your music? Were you were you kind of were you were you upset? Were you were you frustrated? You know. Um. 
No, so I so I sort of uh, sort of switched gears. So uh, once the group, once we all disbanded, and by the way, we disbanded because you know we had one of the group members. He really wanted to take it in a different direction. He wanted to do more inspirational gospel stuff. Yeah, I wasn't really feeling it. Right. You know, and I was writing most of the songs anyway. Oh, um, okay. So I was just like, all right, let's let's just. You know, and, you know, we weren't getting shows, we weren't playing out as much, and it was, it was really becoming more difficult for us to get together, um, you know, and then, of course, like, you know, we meet women, you know, we spend more time with the women that we meet, you know, and it takes away from the practice, so we just sort of all went our separate ways, and, um, you know, and that also happened to me, so, I, you know, I met my wife at the time, this was early 2004, you know, I spent more time with her. Um, you know, just sort of switch gears and, you know, and, you know, eventually, you know, we got married, we had kids, you know, I've got three little boys. So, you know, and also, also within that time, um, you know, I went back to school, um, you know, I finished up uh, my bachelor's, I got, you know, I earned my master's within that 10 year period. So, you know, and I wouldn't say I stopped doing music because I just, you know, I didn't like it or I was just frustrated. It's just life just took me in a direction. Yeah. And, um, you know, but within that 10 year period, you know, I would say around year seven or eight, you know, I started getting a bug again, where it was just like, because I wasn't doing music, I didn't feel like a complete person. It was like, you know, because I was always singing during that time, I wasn't necessarily writing music or, or making songs, but it was still very much a part of, uh, of, of my, of my identity. Um, but it was almost like, I liken it to, you know, like a plant, like, you know, if you don't water a plant, it'll, it'll eventually die. And I felt like, you know, that aspect of my life, I wasn't really nurturing it. So around year seven, year eight, you know, I, you know, I was like, man, I, I should really like at least try to write some songs or at least, you know, maybe go out, maybe do some open mics, um, you know, maybe, maybe even listen to music that I wouldn't necessarily listen to. Um, because I find that that sometimes um, will spur creativity, like it'll spark creativity. I even do that now. Um, so right, so like I said, right around year seven, eight, um, eight and a half, nine years or whatever, I um, I I picked up a guitar. My uh, sister-in-law had a guitar that she hadn't used in I don't know, like ten years or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, didn't know how to play. It was an instrument that I always wanted to learn how to play, okay. and um, my my oldest son who uh who is uh, he's a he's a boy scout he was in cub scouts at the time i remember going to a camping trip and uh you know just kind of sitting around this fire fire pit or whatever no music you know and again music is a huge part of my life and i thought man it'd be cool if you know if i was like that dad who had the guitar and i was leading like the campfire songs so i made it a goal um you know to do that the following year you know, just to, you know, just to learn a couple songs, just to like, sort of, you know, do the whole camp out thing. And, uh, and then I did it. And then from there, you know, once you start playing guitar, it's, it's kind of like anything else. It's like, you can't put it down. And I found that I started writing songs, you know, I had a new tool sort of in my toolbox that allowed me to create music in a way that I'd never done before, because before that, I was strictly a vocalist. Um, so, you know, now with the guitar, it's like, man, I can write songs. I don't necessarily have to depend on a producer to get me beats. I can, you know, create my own music, write my own stuff and possibly record it. So for me, once I picked up the guitar, like this whole new world opened up to me and I was like, 
holy shit. Like, yeah. this is like, this is like, this is amazing. Yeah. So, um, so learning, learning that instrument really, uh, really reignited, I guess, the passion for music, um, you know, to the point where, you know, I started going to open mics, you know, I got good, you know, good feedback at the open mics and people were, you know, really like really impressed with some of the stuff I did. I was like, man, maybe I should like try to do, you know, maybe a gig or two or whatever, you know, just to see how that, you know, cause I, I see people doing it all the time. And, um, you know, and I, I really haven't looked back. I started doing farmer's markets. My father-in-law, he was, a, a really, uh, um, you know, really involved with a local farmer's market and they would have music. And I felt like that would be a good place to sort of just like try it out, you know, cause it's very casual environment mm -hmm. and I wasn't afraid of messing up or anything. Of course I did, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, and, you know, and I got good, like I said, got good feedback. And again, like I just kept finding like all of these doors opening up just because I picked up an instrument and took the time to, to learn it to the point where I could at least accompany myself right. and make music. Right. And, you know, and furthermore, it was like, when I would go into the studio, it was like, I had like the song like fully fleshed out and it was just like, the producers love me. They'd be like, oh. It just makes it easier. Yeah, yeah it just made it easier. It, it makes you look professional. Right. You know, it makes you look, and we talked about that off camera, like being, being pro. Like when you go to, when you go to say, you have to be professional. Like nobody wants to hold your, nobody's gonna hold your hand in this game, nobody because right. they don't want, they don't have to. Like, like people who are pros, like they don't, they expect you to have a knowledge with when you step into the room. They don't want right. to babysit you, like, right? But that's the worst thing. They because if you bring somebody into, the, if you bring somebody into a session that is not prepared, they're gonna say, "What the f are you doing, bringing these people into our right. professional yeah. setting?" Because right. again, there's an education and a knowledge that, as a professional, yes, you need to make sure you know. Right. Yeah. And you education know. is the education is the number one missing link, in my opinion. Because see, the problem with most people who get into entertainment, they don't want to go to. They don't want to again take the classes, take right. the seminars. Go to, right. They don't want to do that because they think, oh. I just want to go to the studio and make songs. And right. guess what? It doesn't work that right. way. Right. I mean, listen, you could go into the studio and make songs, but what do you do? Like, why are you making songs? Right. I mean, if you just record a song and then put it out there, nobody's going to listen to it. Nobody's going to buy it because right. nobody knows about it. So right. all of those master classes, that's what you need to learn in right. order, you know, to, to get, I, to, to have, <laughs> listen to the songs because you have to right you, right and it just it just mind, it just mind boggles to me that that people that that you know things that I was talking to you about all off off before we started recording it's like it's just crazy to me. Right. It's right. just crazy. He's the only this is the only person I've worked with that has told me that what I was teaching wasn't valuable to them. And I said what are you kidding me? I said I've been doing this. I've been teaching the same thing since like 2017, and I could I could point you after times. Okay, man, go so thanks for you taught me this. Yeah, I could point them. I this person they they I mean, and I just because I'm like this is because what happens 
on social media, right, is that a lot of artists get overwhelmed because all they see is all I got to do is run ads. I'm going to build a fan base. Right. I think uh, that's the wrong. That's absolutely. Ads is when you're ready to scale out. Right. You already have the foundation and now you're ready to scale out. But there's more people who don't have the foundation. But all they're trying to do is, okay, I'm just going to run a bunch of ads, but you don't really know who you're talking to. Right. You don't, you, ha- you haven't done those foundational work where the ads make sense. But all that's going to do, all, it's like back to music. If your mi- if the mix is bad, the master is always going to do is inflate right. a bad mix. It's just going to amplify you, all the flaws that are there. Right. right. You can't just say, oh, well, mix is bad, so. Let's just master to get better. No, they just I know this firsthand, you know. So, <laughs> so it's just like the fact that you don't find the information that I was sharing with you valuable. When I know this stuff working, I'm not the only one that teaches it. Like a lot of my friends who are coaches, we all teach the same thing. We might call it something different, but at the course, the same, same the thing. same thing, same principles. Right. Same principles. Yeah. It's about having an audience, having a core, right? Because that's the only way that you can survive as an independent is to have that core audience that loves Jada or loves right. you. Right. You know? Right. You know, or otherwise, you, or, you otherwise, it's, otherwise it's meaningless. And otherwise, yeah. you know, again, you don't have the support. You yeah. don't have anybody to sustain what it is that you're trying to, it's just like any business, you know, like you, yeah. I mean, you open a grocery store or a restaurant, you have to know, who you're catering to, you have to know what your, you know, who's going to like your. Nobody would call this tedious work. Nobody would, yeah. Nobody right. would say this is a bad. Nope. I mean, I guess it's because it, it you know, because I felt like a personal slide against me because he's like, yo, what I like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, you know what? I, I think I think a lot what what a lot of artists don't want to do is they don't want to look at it as a business because that's what it is. Like music is a business, just like any other industry, but you have so many musicians who just say, Oh, I just want to make music. I just want to write songs. I just want to, I just want to play songs. Great. But you can't do it full time. If you don't have a way to make money, like you have to, you, you have to have a source of income, whether that's, you know, just playing cover shows. Maybe you found a way to live stream that could sustain you, you know, maybe, you know, but you have to have a, you know, maybe you're selling CDs. I don't know, but may, you have to have a strategy in place where you can, where you have income coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise it, it like, it just doesn't work. And a lot of musicians don't want to look at, they don't want to look at the business side of things. They, yeah, they, they hate to the sell. They don't, they yeah, don't right. like selling. They don't like, you know, and, and I always tell them too, this is a long play. So when you start, if you start on Monday, you're not going to be making money by Friday. It doesn't work. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't <laughs> right. work that way. You know, it really does take, it takes, take a while because again, and if you, and you don't know your audience and you don't know what, what, what you know, these, these are what other companies traditionally make, do all the time. They do regions and development, you know? Right. They do these things. They do focus groups. They do these things. Right. So they, you know, so this isn't anything, this is not anything that isn't done in other industries and other places. For some reason, musicians just feel like, oh, I just like, no, because then, you know, when you, and then also too, it's a very expensive business. It's extremely expensive, you know, because 
Because when you have p- people who are professionals that will do this for a living, this is all they do. They, that means they, they, and they, and they've actually been successful. They have right. a number that they charge, and if right. you want to work with them, this is what they charge. Right. It's like That's when you do, like when you do a show, and they, and they request your services, right? It's not like right. you said, "Hey, I want to." Because it's not like okay, you, we always gonna, people are always going to do free stuff. I mean, there's no such thing. Right. You need to do free, you know, because you might do something free because the benefits outweigh getting being paid, right? You know right. what I mean? So, you know, if it's an opportunity for you to perform at some place where people are going to see you, okay, you know. Right, that's different. That's different. When somebody says, and they request, they want you to come, okay, you know, hopefully there's a, a budget behind it, but at least if they can't pay you, at least they can, okay, at least I'll put you up in a place to stay, whatever they can do, because that's a form of payment too. Right, you know I mean? right. And, and also too, if you have merch and if you you can do a quote unquote free show meeting, you get a performance free. But hey, I sell merch on the back end. I do right. a VIP experience on the back end. Right. So that's all my money. That money comes right. to me. That's still, a, that's still a paid show. So it's all about how you look at it, right? So, but like you said, if you don't care about the marketing, the branding, all these types of things like this, then what are you doing this for? Right. I mean. The music, the music that you said you just wanted to sing, like nobody's gonna care. Nobody's gonna even that that right. song that you did is not even gonna ever see the light of day. Right, and it, and nobody it's knows. like and, and when somebody when you're fortunate to find people like myself who actually sit down and actually come up with a way to teach these things to make it bite size to where it actually makes sense, and then you and then you don't even take it seriously and said it doesn't work. Because Man. I know I've had many clients that tell me it does work and right. they have seen results from it. But I have testimonials that prove that. Right. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it, it's it's so it's crazy. It's, but yeah, so so yeah, I I, I took the ten years off. It, like I said, it was really just sort of a, a redirection of life, and you know, and um, you know, the, the, you know, and again, like. I don't regret those 10 years, not in the least, because I have, uh, I have a wonderful wife and I've got three, uh, three boys that I am extremely, extremely proud of and, and love very much. So it, it's all good. Uh, absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. So yeah, I just want to, um, want to cover a couple more things, man. So, so you, you, you know, you build a global fan base, you mm-hmm. know, you have, you know, obviously, uh, where's a lot of your fans coming from? You know, well, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been to six different countries, you know, so I mean I understand I understand the global ecosystem as well as how it works yeah. and here. So yeah, it's always cool to be global, man. Global. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, I, I I've gotten a lot. There's a lot of folks who listen to my music uh, over in the UK, okay. which okay. is which is crazy to me because but I, you know because like I I just never even like the UK wasn't even on my radar when I started. You know, it was really just, you know, I wanted to reach out to folks in the United States because, you know, ultimately the plan was, you know, to build a fan base where, you know, maybe I could do like, you know, a regional sort of like Northeast uh, tour. Mm-hmm. But um, but then like, you know, um, the the song that I released uh, back in December of 2020 is called Dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a huge, huge, huge reception, mm-hmm. uh, positive reception in the U.K., and, um, you know, and I, I even did a couple interviews and some radio drops with a couple of DJs out there. And like, it just, it, it floored me because again, like it, it just wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar. And it, I yeah. mean, I'm not even sure like how they heard 
the song. <laughs> that's the beauty of the internet, man. Listen, I have several friends over the UK. Uh, I don't know if you know my man. His name is DJ Niceness, or Godfrey Fletcher, Neo the Soul Promotion. Uh, nah, 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 I don't, I don't but, know if I know but him. Yeah, but yeah, he's in the UK as well. I mean, my man yeah. DJ Bully B is in the UK. Yeah. So, but the UK, they, they, one, they love soul music. They like R&B. Yes. And, and again, the beautiful thing about the internet is sometimes you never know how people find your stuff. Right. And, they do, and it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful, like, that's the thing I tell artists all the time is that now you have an opportunity to be global because of the right. internet. You never know who's discovering what it is that you do. Right. right. So, so I always tell people, fuck being famous, man. Right. It's about just, being global. Right. Yeah. Just do. And, and, and going back to what you said, like, you know, over in the UK, they love soul music. And, you know, and that that was that fact was lost on me until until that happened. And I was like, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me over in the UK, you know, they you know, they're really into soul music. I mean, they're even into like the 90s R&B stuff that I that yeah. I was into. You know, they yeah. love it. And I'm just yeah, like, I mean, Europe, like I said, like I said I'm fortunate. I've been to see, I've been to Spain, I've been to Mumbai, India, I've been to Luxembourg, I've been to France. Now there's a conference in France called Midem. Have you ever heard of it? No, never. So Midem is the largest B2B conference in our industry. This is where the global music industry comes together in France. Now, the yeah. last couple of years it's been digital because of the pandemic. But no, I I went in 2016, 17, and 18. And when you go to meet them, this is this is a B2B event. Right? This is somebody who wants to build your business. These are the, the international music publishers are there. Everybody, anybody you can think of is there at meet them. Really? There, right, there's usually 75 countries that are represented every year. One of my mentors, Alan Johnston, who's been going there since 1995. What? He goes every, he goes every year. He's globally respected. That's how that's how my global do. That's why my my distribution deal in Korea happened. My distribution deal in Africa happened. That's I have crazy. Now. You know what I mean? So Medem, because Medem is designed for people who want to build their business globally, right? So it's awesome. You know, you've been to music conference. You know, it's a traditional music conference where you have panels and workshops and you have showcases. Right. But in between that, you do meetings with people. And you talk and you're showing them your music and your product and what you have. And they have, like, listen, they'll have people from different magazines that will interview you there right on the spot. Really? Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you get it, we can talk about it off. off yeah, yeah, definitely, because I, I definitely want to find out more yeah, about that. Definitely, it's always the first week of June in in Cannes, France, every year. It's the first week okay. of June, and it's in the French Riviera, so the same place they have the Cannes Film Festival. The Cannes Film Festival is about two weeks prior to me then. Okay. And it's at the Palais, you know, it's a big convention center, and they have a bunch of booths set up, and a bunch of information, but it's people there and you're building relationships. And the whole thing about Medem is you go there to make friends. Right, you right. Go there, you don't go there to do your deal. You go there to make friends. And the thing with being global is a lot of times people don't know you exist until they actually know you exist. Right. So when you go to these events and they actually say, oh man, this is, this is Jerry's coach. He's dope. We like his music. Now opportunities come. Right. You get a, you know, a lot of my global relationships happen because I go to this conference. These opportunities come because people now know that I exist. Right, right. Master of building relationships. So this is a relationship business. You know right, I mean? absolutely. So, <laughs> so it's just one of those things where, where, where I try to tell everybody who wants to be global, come to me then. Come to me then, you know, and, and, and come ready to do business. Come with your products up. Come, again, because that's, that's an event you go to not to get discovered. It's right. to do business. It's right. to like, 
people who want to do business and want to actually take their careers seriously from an international perspective will spend the money and they'll go to New York and they'll do it. People who just think that somebody's going to just find you and discover you, they're not for you. You go to New York when you actually want to meet global relationships, do global business, create opportunities for yourself in other places around the world. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I definitely want to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can definitely yeah. talk about yeah. that more, man. But that's yeah. cool. So, you know, so your dreams, you had enough is enough, and then yes, the, the date night record, which you know, that's the most, that's the one you recently released. I like that joint. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. That's uh, that's the that's the grown and sexy joint that I like yeah. to <laughs> I like yeah, to call it. Like, it's, it's cool. It's relatable. You know, I mean. It's, it's definitely relatable. I really, I really enjoy that record, man. So yeah. I love what you're doing. Definitely like what you're doing. I want to end the episode talking about uh, you do some volunteer work with musicians on call. So yes. Uh, and they focus on the healing properties of music. So can you talk to me about what, how, how the work you do with them? Yeah. So um, so I've been I've been a volunteer with musicians on call for about three years at this point uh, now, and uh, initially um, the way they typically work the way they uh, traditionally work is you go into uh, their affiliate hospitals and um, you go in with uh, there's an artist and then there's a guide and you kind of go around to each room and uh, you know you visit uh, patients who you know you know you know obviously they're there some are terminal some are not um, but it's a form of therapy so you go and you sing uh, you know, you might sing a couple songs for, you know, for kids or, you know, adults who are going through a tough time. Um, but I started working with them because, you know, I always tell people that music is therapy. I, I think it has, yeah, it, it, it definitely has uh, healing properties that you don't necessarily get from medicine. I mean, I, I, and I've, I've actually experienced this firsthand where, you know, like I've been sick, you know, physically sick and, you know, a song might come on that I really, really enjoy. And, you know, and for the three or four minutes, you know, for that song, like I, I physically feel better because the song just puts me in a good mood. And it might be, you know, I, yeah, there might be memories that are attached to the song. Uh, it might, it might, might represent a, a fantastic time in my life, whatever it is. So I decided to do work with musicians on call. And initially they told me, well, you know, we, uh, and this was before COVID, you know, and they said, well, we don't really have any like affiliate hospitals near you, but we do have a virtual program that we're rolling out where uh, essentially it's, it's almost like a bedside sort of mm-hmm. uh, performance mm-hmm. where, you know, on the computer, you might sing for, you know, 10 or 12 seniors uh, who can't necessarily get out and enjoy, you know, life the way they like to. And, uh, and I said, Oh, that's perfect because we're going into a pandemic. Nobody could go anywhere, <laughs> you know, anywhere, anyway. Um, so I started doing that. And again, I've been doing that for three years and, it's been, I mean, it's been a positive experience because um, every time I do it, I, I typically see the same, uh, the same people and, you know, and we've become, you know, friends. It's just like, you know, there's, there's a couple people on there. I was like, Hey, what's going on, Jarvis? It's nice to see you. How are the kids? Uh, my six-year-old, uh, I did one, one, um, one session where my six-year-old sort of joined, he had his ukulele oh, and he was playing. Yeah. And they, and they like, and every, every since then, and that was probably, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And they're like, where's your son? Where is he? You know, we'd love to see him. And I'm like, oh, he's in school. But, you know, the next time I'm on, you know, I'll, I'll try to get him on. But, yeah. um, but it, it, it really, it, it really, um, 
it's really a rewarding thing when you can use something that you love music and you know in this in this case and use it in a way that positively impacts people's lives that, that might physically make them feel good it might uh you know make them forget about whatever whatever traumatic experience they're going through um the fact that i can provide some sort of respite um in that way is magical and you know i'm grateful um that you know i'm a volunteer with musicians on call like they've they've been crazy helpful they've been you know it, it, it's an honor and recently uh as of a week ago uh, i was um i was the feature volunteer on their website so awesome. uh, so they showed yeah so they showed me a whole bunch of love and they posted my picture everywhere uh, on their website all over their social media so um, that's yeah that's another way of, of pretty much free marketing yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and, you know and and I, you know, do it for that, but I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, obviously I'm not, I'm not doing it for those reasons, but, but I mean, you're right. Like, you know, people see my face, they see my name and um, you know, but I like the fact that I am associated with doing good in the community through music. Right. And, you know, it's, it's been a fantastic, fantastic ride, man. Definitely. Oh, man. Well, well I, man, this has been so great, man. Where, where can the people find you, man, that, that, that want to connect to you? Yeah, so I I am uh so I'll just spell my name out because it's kind of weird. Uh, so right. it's, it's Jerris Cook, so J E I R I S C O O K. So if you just if you go to Google or whatever search engine you use, type in Jerris Cook. I'm the only Jerris Cook on the planet that I know of, uh, which is which is the upside of having a unique name. Yeah. Um, so if you type that in, uh, you'll find all of my social media. I'm Jerris Cook Music on Instagram. Uh, and Jerris Cook everywhere else, Twitter, um, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify. Awesome, man. Well, guys, it's been a, this has been another episode of the Encourage Fire podcast, man. It's been another great episode. Until next time, it's your host, Jarrell Peart. I'm out of here. Peace.